Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today we're going to be talking about why Catholics don't read the Bible. Yeah, we're going to look at the relationship between Catholics and Scripture and dispel some of the common misconceptions about Catholics and the Bible. As St. Jerome said, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. So let's figure out why we don't read the Bible. Good to be back in the studio with you guys. Always, uh, always a pleasure, especially if we could talk about the Word of God. And I know each of us read the Word of God, huh? but why are Catholics not? I don't understand. I, yeah. I are mean, you I, not Catholic? I, I think Ryan's got something up his sleeve. I think he episode. does, too. Yeah. Us tricky Catholics. I'll try <laughs> Jesuit tricks. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. You know, we baited you in why Catholics don't read the Bible, but the fact is that the Catholics do read the Bible. The Catholics are completely engrossed in Scripture. Everything that we do, everything that our traditions are based on, and the Bible itself is a Catholic book. So we're going to discuss that today. So you're saying this is clickbait? It is. <laughs> Dang it, Ryan. Man, you had me oh say man. that. I feel like I'm, I'm like, an, it's my fault. Well, you've been had. Yeah. <laughs> well, now you before, told me that was the episode. I know. Now, before we get started, Padre... Why don't you tell them some truth about where they can find us? Well, let me tell you the truth. So go to catholictalkshow.com. There you'll see every way that you can listen in on our podcast forums as well as YouTube. You can view our content. And if you are viewing our content, take a moment and subscribe. Click the button. And then also put, you know, push the little button next to the subscribe, which is a little bell. Every time that you (laughs) every time that you do. You will get our show. Yeah. You guys suck. No, you did great. That was great. That was perfect. All right. So what are we talking about first? Because, like, you know, you you already hoodwinked me in this thing. I did. You hoodwinked me. Well, there's a very common misconception that Catholics don't read the Bible, right? There's such a emphasis placed on... Are we going to just roll with that? Absolutely. Let's roll with it. That was great. We'll roll with that, Richie. All right, then. Now, there's such an emphasis... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> put on scripture by maybe Protestants and non-denominationals because there's really no structure to those churches besides scripture. And a lot of this goes back to Martin Luther Martin Luther and the Sola Scriptura, where only scripture is the guiding principle of what defines the faith. But I think we've talked about this multiple times, that that's an absurd statement because if only scripture can be a true guide well, then what happened for the 300 years before the Bible was compiled by the Catholic Church, right? It's just, it's, it's really yeah. a non sequitur. One of my favorite, one of my favorite rebuttals to that is Sola Scriptura. Can you point to that where it is in the Bible? Can't do it. Yeah. Can't do it's it. It's not in, in there. there. But what is in there is, you know, in James, you know, it's about the, the church and tradition being the pillars of the church, you know? And that's whether James is in the, in your Bible or not. Right. Yeah. For it, Catholics, it is. Yeah, Martin Luther didn't quite like that. And he ripped it out of the Bible. Yeah, he did. bad. Yeah. And then his justification was because Dr. Luther said so. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all right. He had a nail and a hammer. Right. Yeah. He did. Yeah. He did. He did. So now the church, in Catechism 133, it says, the church forcefully and specifically exhorts all the Christian faithful to learn the surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ by frequent reading of the divine scriptures. Ignorance of the scriptures is the ignorance of Christ, quoting St. Jerome, like you said. The Catholic faith is 
And the celebration of the math is mass is the world's largest Bible study. Every single week, every Catholic around the world attending mass is taking part in the longest running, widest reaching Bible study that's ever happened and ever could happen. It's, it's so true. And when you, when you look at it through the lens of liturgy, just the liturgical structure of the church, year one, year two, in respect to the readings that happen each and every day, and then the three cycle A, B, and C that cycles through a three-year cycle, we cover a greater majority of the entirety of the corpus of Scripture. That, in, and in conjunction with the Liturgy of the Hours, which we've talked about and referenced in a couple of other episodes, but the Liturgy of the Hours, look at all of the scriptures that you have in the Office of Readings, the Psalms, the Epistles, all of these different scriptural references throughout the entirety of each and every day in the celebration of the Word of God and commentaries of saints throughout the history of the church within the liturgical structure of the office. So, so real quick, though, when you say Liturgy of the Hours, this is the prayer of the church. This is actually a very—we we should probably do a show just on that. I think that's a good idea. How does that relate to the readings of the church? Because you said year one, year two. So that means in two years, if you go to daily Mass, you will basically— Three, read, three okay. years. Okay, so if you go to daily Mass in three years, you'll receive— Basically, the whole Bible. A greater majority of the Bible. There, there okay. are selections where they they have certain you know gaps within we're scriptural through, we're, not, we're not going through numbers. It's yeah. the meat. It's the meat, yeah. right? Yeah. And then if if you go to Sunday Mass every Sunday for three years, mm-hmm. you read the whole Bible too. Well, well it's it, not all necessarily in, all inclusive. So okay. all inclusive. So between if you go to Mass every single day, Monday through Sunday and participate in all of the liturgies, and participate in the liturgical prayer of the church, which is the consecration of the hours, five to seven hours of prayer each day, office, morning prayer, daytime prayer, mid-afternoon prayer, evening prayer, night prayer. If you're praying all of these prayers of the church and you're immersing yourself in the scriptures, you are very, very close to reading the entirety of the entire Bible in three years, essentially. Absolutely. Hmm. And also, I mean, there's so many other programs within the church and so many different apostolates um, encouraging and guiding people in study of scripture that uh, it, it's really it's really a Reformation era charge against the church that Catholics don't read the Bible because that was their way of justifying their novelties, right? But the, the other thing is if you're if you're Protestant or evangelical or agnostic to the Catholic faith, you're going to a church, they're reading scripture mm-hmm. and they're diving in, right. right? Into scripture and somebody's giving you their, you know, uh, exegesis of, of this scripture passage and, and, and people have their books open and things like that. And so it's like, you're actually reading the Bible with the person who's doing it. Whereas the church proclaims the gospel, proclaims the Bible. And it's, it's sort of something that you can follow along in a missile, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And and people have been following along in a missile for many, many years, yeah. pre-Vatican II times Absolutely. and post-Vatican II times. Before, we have to remember, for a greater majority of church history, a large number of faithful gathered inside these beautiful churches were learning by way of what they were being taught by the priest, yes, but also the liturgical art around them because a wider public was completely illiterate. But they could hear and understand. Absolutely. Exactly. And there was no real feasible way of... 
producing Bibles, right? Mm-hmm. This is before yeah. the printing the press. Print press, yeah. You know, I mean, if you were to have a Bible, this was the work of at least six months of a scribe, and it was an incredibly, I mean, that marked the full outfit of a, output of a human being for six months. That's, you know, in today's world, that's twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars. Not very efficient. It's not. It's, <laughs> well, it's very efficient, but it's not economically feasible for everyone to have a Bible. Then with the, I wonder uh, what the spiritual insights, you know, talking about reading the Bible, do Catholics read the Bible, but scribes, you know, what an, I've always meditated on that. Imagine being in a cave or in your, you know, in your monastery or convent and you're just, you know, writing the Bible, yeah, transcribing the Bible. I, mean, I wouldn't want to stop. Line by line by line, prayerfully, you know, writing in the context of, you know, maybe there's chant, maybe there's a, you know, you stop, you have a meal with your brothers or sisters and, and you pray and then you get back back into the, into the scriptures. I can't even imagine some of the nameless saints that were scribes in the tradition of the Catholic church and the insights that were had. There's this really great article I read and I'll, I'll try to find it. And if I can, I'll post it on the show notes here. But it's of all the gripes of all the scribes who, <laughs> just in a moment of frustration, they're copying and they just write down, I am bored, or the cat won't leave me alone. In, in the margins of these scripture works, it's, it's really, really great. Or my hand hurts, or this is very dull. So I'll post that. Oh, my God. But, you know, like I was going towards is that in the Reformation, they really had to justify a deviation from the practice of the church. And a lot of this was now, well, hey, here's our Bibles, and here we are now the arbiters of interpreting the Bible. Every man, you know, many of the Reformation uh, um, uh, major players would say that every person is their own judge and arbiter of what Scripture and the interpretation should mean. Well, that's a recipe for disaster, as we've seen that the yield of that is 50,000 individual denominations or whatever. And the canon was put together on purpose for a reason. Absolutely. Now, we, we've gotten that into other episodes, you know, but it really was the Catholic Church who put together the canon of Scripture. So for, for the charge to be that Catholics don't read the Bible, when it was us who compiled it before that, you know, we've said it before, the Bible is not a book, it is a library. And it was the Catholic Church that did the curation of that and made that final collection and made that canon of Bible a thing that was set in stone. And it was after they were being persecuted and could publicly worship. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For 300 years, like you imagine like our lifetime for 300 years, it's like six generations Mm -hmm. back then. Well, it's the entirety of the United States history. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a good frame of reference. The entirety Mm -hmm. of the United States history, the church Mm -hmm. was underground being killed. They, they, with the edict of Milan, with Constantinople, they come out of the woodworks and they mm. put all these writings together and say, this is what we are teaching, mm. right? This is the inspired word of God. Mm. Absolutely. And I think another thing that's really interesting to note is there was, uh, I believe it was Cardinal Ouellette in one of the uh, Vatican conference said, Christianity, when properly practice is not a religion of the book. You know, we'll hear this all the time. Well, Islam and Judaism and Christianity are religions of the book. And they said, no, we are not a religion of the book. We are a religion of the word. And that is a very big distinction. The book is a book. The word is the incarnate word of God. It is the word, you know, that, that is Christ as in John one. The incarnation. Yeah. That's John one. And if nothing was ever written down and there existed no scripture and nothing was written up down about Jesus Christ, 
it would still be true and the guiding principles would be the same because what we follow and worship is Christ incarnate, not the words, but the word, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a huge distinction. Yeah, the personification, the logos, the, you know, the word made flesh, our worship is only due to the person of Jesus Christ. And he is the incarnate word. And that is what we worship. And that w- that's what we are governed by. And the church is that authority of guiding the gaze and guiding the receptivity to the word itself. Absolutely. But we find Christ in the word, mm-hmm. the word of God, right. Bible. And yeah. it's almost a secondary notion, right. if you will. Yeah, it's it's a accounting of a, div- a divinely inspired accounting of his words, his actions, and his uh, public ministry. But again, if it was never written down, our religion would still be true. If Jesus Christ was chose to be incarnate as a mute and never spoke a word, by the virtue of his incarnation and his death and resurrection, our salvation was still affected. Our salvation was still won for us. So it's not, again, dependent on words. It's dependent on action. But it didn't happen. And now in Christ and the Holy Trinity willed that this scripture would be brought together 300 years after his death. And look at every time that we go to Mass as Catholics, after the reading, we hear the word of the Lord. We respond, thanks be to God. After the gospel passage, we hear the the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All throughout the Old Testament, you have... The personification, especially in the wisdom literature, the personification of wisdom, the personification of truth, and then Jesus manifesting himself in the good news in the gospel, I am the truth. And yeah. in this in this revelation, again, worship is narrowed in on a person, and it is the revelation and the fulfillment of the Old Testament that's pointing to the coming Messiah, coming to a clear understanding and revelation of who Jesus is. Which is why we include the Old Testament in the Bible, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, I can I cannot think of a single parish that I've ever been to or experienced or heard about that doesn't have a Bible study there. I mean, every parish has that, right? There's thousands and countless of books of Bible study programs. There's apps. There's so many resources that Catholics follow and use to study scripture studiously using all the techniques that the church through all of the doctors and all of the great scholars of the church have developed. So really the whole concept that Catholics don't read scripture goes back to the Reformation as, as a slander, as a way for them to say, well, you guys are putting innovations in the Bible, which are against our reinterpretation of it that fits and justifies our new religions, our Lutherism, our Calvinism, whatever it is. And they, the charge is easy. Well, of course we're right and you're wrong because you don't even read scripture because you're not biblical. And, and whether it goes down to that or even in the present age, you know, the Catholic Church is so big that you're going to run into people. And, and this is this is like, you know, I grew up in a in a in the Bible Belt. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, it's and I didn't when I didn't practice my faith, it was just like, you know, it, it was used as a tool to bring people to the Bible. And, and the Bible was elevated by a person who could preach eloquently or give them a message that, you know, really fed them because the Bible always feeds you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's a, a analysis there, especially in this day and age, where the material side of this really goes into the fact that some Catholics do not go to church, do not 
accept all of this and put themselves into it, you know, to receive Jesus and to love Jesus and things like that. So I think there's a little like, you know, it's kind of like the gazelle that's running out of the way over mm-hmm. here and it just gets picked up by the lion, mm-hmm. you know? And, and what do you, what do you think? How does that have an effect on people's perception of, of Catholicism in the world? Right. And so they get picked up and it's just like, look, your church failed you, right. mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there is, you'll see a lot of that poaching that happens from these non-denominational branded corporate. Yeah. We were just talking right, about that yeah. yesterday. You know, if, if you're, if your church has, you know, Hill or city or, some kind of trendy thing in there. Good music. Uh, yeah. You gotta have good music. The good music. It's it's a glor it's a glorified concert with a with a street session. Yeah, yeah. It really is. Mm-hmm. And it's it's good. You know, as as it's not it's not horrible. It's, it's not it's horrible. Not, it's not horrible. I'd rather I'd rather that than people go to complete agnosticism right. or completely deny Christ together. And a lot mm-hmm. of very hungry people in those denominations eventually Find God and right. find Him in the Catholic Church. And find them in you and find Him in the Eucharist. And there right. are some of look our at, best look, evangelists. Look at Francis. Right. Look at Francis Chan right now. What he's what he's going through and his coming to understanding on the Eucharist and you know step by step coming yeah. to encounter the fathers of the Church and really immerse himself in Scripture in the context of tradition and history. And yeah. Scott Hahn. And mm-hmm. Scott Hahn. I was listening to a video of this guy and. He was a Protestant minister, and he brought 800 coming home network, right? That's the—I was actually on one of the shows. I had no idea the genesis of this organization, but the genesis of this organization came from his impetus to go out and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ through the Catholic Church to 800 Presbyterian ministers that eventually came to the Catholic Church. That's impressive. That really is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know— Talking about these non-denominational churches where they do focus on the Bible, it, it makes me think of Second Timothy three sixteen that all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful te- useful for teaching, for refutation, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All Scripture is useful for that, yeah. um, and it's good. Like I said, it's good that they those people who were not raised in a strong faith, maybe they were former former Catholics and were never guided right, and they end up there. It's better that than nowhere, and Scripture is good and useful, but it is not the only or even the primary um, pillar of the faith. Right? It's useful. It's, mm-hmm. it's useful, and it's good, and it's divinely inspired, but it is not the, like I said earlier with that quote, is that we are not a religion of the book. We are a religion of the word. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a nuance. And, and what you're saying is not to completely, you know, oust the power or efficacy right. of the scriptures and, and the Bible. Absolutely no way. Not. It's inspired. Mm-hmm. So the nuance, you have to be able to consider the nuance for what it is. And it is directly, we are encountering Jesus Christ, his real personhood alive in the church, sacramentally structured, that is purely the word made flesh. Absolutely. Now, what are some of the ways that you guys read scripture? What are what are some of your habits in reading scripture? Well, you know, I I have seven kids and a wife and 40 other kids in our company. And so, you know, for me, I always I mean, I I, I used to go to mass every day, you know, and as things kind of started to develop, my spiritual life changed. 
And so I would start, I have this app called iBreviary and I, sometimes I'll pick it up and I'll read like whatever the time is, an evening prayer or morning prayer. Or like when I go to bed with my wife, we'll read night prayer. You know, it's, it, it's part, it's just little pieces along the way. It's not so mm-hmm. structured where it's like, okay, everybody, we're getting together and then we're just going to all pray together because you got kids flying around and poopy diapers and everything, mm-hmm. you know? So you have to find a way to do that. The other thing is literally what we're doing here right now. Mm-hmm. Like part of my spirituality is like, if I do not organize myself around presenting the gospel to other people, I will not receive the gospel. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, think about that. If you, if you do not proclaim <laughs> the that. gospel, how will you ever receive so it? True. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, is we're practicing Catholics. I mm-hmm. was talking to, about that to somebody at your parish today. Like we practice our faith. We are not ever going to be faithful, right? We're, we're going to be practicing our faith, right? Mm-hmm. And so our faith will grow stronger as we practice it. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of like my top line approach is that well, yeah, the, you do. You lead Bible, or you'll you, you'll lead prayer um, prayer groups right. where you'll reflect on a particular passage, and then each week do that. Yeah, so you got to give it away, right. To keep it, absolutely. And and I I love what you just said because I feel the same way about my priesthood. Though I'm wearing like a collar and I'm a priest, and you know I went through seminary and I've studied the scriptures, and but if I didn't have the church governing my life, structuring my life with the liturgy of the hours, going to daily mass, um, being in the church, counseling people, opening up the Bible and, and using the Bible as a reference tool to support people. Flops in Key West. Dude, I mean, I'm kind of in flip flops right now, but at least I've gotten, I've gotten clerics on, you know, but it, I, it's it's serious, you know. Well, you I'm, got no shoes on, and I'm wearing flip flops too. This easy, is how we roll easy. here. Let's I'm not, wearing Burks. Let's not I'm do wearing this. Burks. Do so that's this, kind guys. of that's kind of semi formal. But um, seriously, I would be lost without the way Holy Mother Church, in her authority, governs me. Yeah. and guides me. Yeah. I've grown tremendously in my you know in my own limitations, my own weakness, and my own hard-headedness really always have it yeah and and i'm i'm definitely comfortable with the fact that i'm never going to be perfect but i am so comforted that jesus christ is perfect and his love is what i continue to encounter in the sacraments it's his love what i encounter in his word and as he continues to instruct me and teach me and i get to share that in relationship to wherever I am, if I'm in India, if I'm in South America, if I'm in the West Coast in California, yeah. if I'm in Texas, if yeah. I'm in Cleveland, if I'm in Florida or right here in my parish yeah. or in the Catholic talk show studio. And that's what I love about our faith. Absolutely. Now, I guess the way that I, I approach scripture for a while, I was going on a cyclical pattern where I'd, I'd started Genesis and revelations and then start again. And I did that three or four times through. And then I started, um, being more selective. Then I would maybe look for something or I'd be inspired to read something. I'd, I'd hear a passage. I'm like, Oh, that reminds me of something from Ecclesiastes. And then I would go read that book, mm-hmm. right? Cause there's no book in the Bible in and of itself is particularly long, right? Yeah. You could read any of them in an hour or two at the mm-hmm. very most. Right. So maybe like I'll hear something about King David. So I'll go read, uh, you know, Samuel, Samuel or whatever, or I'll hear something about one of the apostles and I'll go read John or I'll, I'll want to read acts again. Right. Or I'll want to read 
uh, one of the epistles, right? So just going and approaching them as an individual book, then you're kind of getting the entirety of that. And that, and that was the way that at least the New Testament was con, con, constructed. Yeah. Yeah. These were scrolls passed from church to church for the, you know, the seven churches in Asia. They're like, hey, do you got a copy of Timothy? Do you got a copy yeah. of this? Yeah. yeah, I got it. Here you go. Read that. You know, it's like a, yeah. it's like a book share program. It's like, take a book, leave a book. It yeah. really was. And Paul used to say like what I enjoined on you. Right. Right. Yeah. And Paul would say like, Hey, remember that letter I sent you forward that, you know, yeah. and he would say forward the last one to this other That's church. Right. Here's this new one. Read this one. Yeah. So that was kind of the original intention of the authors of how to and it was the it. intentional, uh, it, it's the intention of scripture right? as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. From the and, leaders of the church. And, and it does, yeah, it doesn't change from Paul's time to our time. Right. We have to do the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and passing on by way of testimony is an effective way of, of passing on the good news. But right. now it's like all, you know, dissolved into 15 different interpretations and some are abjectly wrong. Like they're just objectively wrong. Right. You know, so what translations of the Bible should Catholics read? The New Jerusalem Bible. I I I was thinking of that when you were just mentioning how you would go to Samuel and David and Philip. There's the, the these beautiful references along the sides of the scriptures as you're reading them to give you correlated scriptures. So you know if if there's if this is like a fulfillment of a prophecy or Jesus is referencing Isaiah, it gives you the actual quotation and you can go back. That's that's one of my favorite Bibles to use. Obviously, the NAB, the New American Bible, is the one that we have for our liturgy. NABRE. NABRE. Yep. Nabra. Never. And, and then. You know, I think uh, the RSV, you know, yeah. is, is one that... I do like the RSV. Oh, man, that's one of my favorite. Undergrad, that's I what I use the most. I'm just kind of eating popcorn over here. <laughs> <laughs> Revised standard version. Uh, I have the Dewey Rames, mm-hmm. and that's the one I keep on my nightstand. Uh, but if I'm talking, I probably use the RSV or the New Jerusalem mm-hmm. the most. Those are the ones that... I think it, I guess. If you're talking, meaning yeah. like... If I'm like saying, here's this quote or that quote, or if okay. I'm... Thinking, I don't do the the these and the thous of there, the Dewey Rays. There's one that I'm sure that you wouldn't appreciate, but it was the Bible that that changed my life. The Gideon Bible. <laughs> <laughs> the new the the New Living Translation, and uh, it is very very like approachable, right? If I would have if I would have scooped up as a 20 year old kid. You know, I, I, it was divinely appointed. I don't know how the Bible got on my kitchen counter anyway, and it was a read the Bible in one year Catholic edition, and it was set, segmented up in days, and it was like the easiest translation. And <laughs> Did it have crayons? Like, <laughs> it had parts where it? you could color in a little bit. <laughs> but I'm telling you what, like, that... Bible changed my life for yeah. sure. Uh, I mean, awesome. there's a lot of um, there's a lot of good translations, and some are going to work better for other people. But check, you know, check the interior first couple pages. Make sure that it is approved translation. Translation. Neil Obastat. Yep. Yeah. Obastat. And you can go to the USCCB's website and see a full list of approved Bibles, but it'll yeah. be on the opening pages. So yeah. make sure you check one of those. Because some are like they just totally reject the Eucharist. Like some of the Bibles well, totally... have an agenda. They have an agenda. Oh my gosh, yeah. it's crazy! Mm-hmm. Like the. And, and it appeals to a sola scriptura community, but then they're giving instructions along the uh, along the columns of the scriptures that are purely agenda driven. Absolutely, they sure mm. are. Now, 
I think we've got one more good point to make, but before we do that, why don't you let everyone know about the people who sponsor our show? Great. A big thank you to our sponsors, Ave Maria University and Exodus 90. Ave Maria University is one of the most outstanding universities in the country, set in a beautiful terrain of Southwest Florida, just outside of Naples. It is a gorgeous area to study and to grow in your own understanding of whatever particular academic pursuit that you desire. It has an excellent core curriculum of a classical liberal arts program. It is a tremendously valuable faith-based institution based in Catholic tradition. The culture of Catholicism there radically changed my life. I am now a Catholic priest benefiting from what I learned as an undergrad from 2005 to 2008. And let me tell you, in 2020 and 21, the university is only getting better. So if you have somebody you love that's looking to go to college, tell them about Ave Maria University today. Have them take a look and visit the campus, because I assure you, if you look into this school, you aren't going to look any further. It's the school for you. Exodus 90 is a 90-day program for men searching for more. This program that we have all participated in has truly called us to become more like Christ. Christ is the perfect manifestation of masculinity and drawing together with other men to pursue austere practices and ascetical practices like cold showers, limiting worldly engagements, sports, and entertainment, and entering more deeply into prayer and fraternity can only do good for you. So, you know, look, there's so many things that pull at our masculinity from lusts to, you know, sloth and all of these other pulls, you know, we need a break from the world and we need to really double down our efforts in becoming more virtuous followers of Jesus Christ. Exodus 90 is starting their program in the new year on January 4th. It's a Lenten program that's going to culminate with Easter. So check out Exodus 90 today. Go to exodus90.com forward slash the Catholic talk show and make sure you put on your calendar right now, January 4th. There's been over 37,000 men that have already done this program. The numbers are growing and you should be the next number in this awesome movement. Another one of our sponsors, OneCore, is a really cool company that's really changing the face of athletic gear. And they're doing so by proclaiming the mission of Jesus Christ on their clothes. Think theology of the body meets hip new style and fitness wear. So when you consider the need for exercise, all of us have that need, right? Well, why not have a mission on top of your fitness and proclaiming the glory of God through your outfits that you wear when you exercise? When you're running around, you're running a race. And you're running the race for the glory of God, as St. Paul says, so run the race well, my brothers and sisters, and check out One Core today. All right. Thank you for that. And thank you to our sponsors again. Now, I, the one last thing I wanted to cover is, you know, there's this old myth that the Catholics and the Church of the Middle Ages would chain the Bible up, right? And it was an attempt to prevent people from learning the truth of Scripture, because then that would undermine the power of the Pope. And that's a really absurd revisionist history, right? I've never heard that. I've oh. never heard it either. Yeah. And it's pro- it's definitely propaganda. Oh, absolutely. But here's the truth is that the Catholic Church did keep the Bible on a chain in the Middle Ages. On the pulpit, the Bible was chained to the pulpit. What? Absolutely. Now, people say, well, that way no one could access the Bible. 
But it's really, kind of like a bike. You don't want it stolen. Well, I think a good analogy is like phone books. How they used to <laughs> you looked at me, you're like, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> I agree. But I think a good analogy is like phone books when they used to be phone booths, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not, it was chained there so that it'd be available to everyone, right? The chain actually made it available to everyone because look, if the, if the parish church got their Bible stolen, no one had a Bible. They probably mm. had one. The chain was there to actually make sure that the Bible stayed in place so everyone could benefit from it, just like a phone book. Because if they tear that out of the out of the phone booth, well, no one has it now, right? Yeah. That chain gives access. So it's a very precious book. Right. And in a time where it takes years to scribe it up, again, it's like a bike. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. You know, you got to buy another one. You right. know, I'm, that's how I think. Yeah. I mean, maybe... You know, but yeah. Yeah. So, but you always see the, you know, Protestants and non-denominational say, well, no, the the Catholic church kept the Bible on a chain until we were freed up by Martin Luther. Now we all learned the truth, but really it couldn't be further from that. It was actually pragmatically and in truth, the opposite way around. But Mm -hmm. also the, uh, the, the printing press came out almost at the same time as the, the, that, uh, Trent. As Council of Trent and the Re- Reformation, yeah, it was, it was about a hundred years or so before, before, yeah, before Martin before. Luther, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So again, I think in summation of this episode is, do Catholic? Why don't Catholic read the Bible? Catholics do read the Bible. That's and it. So should you and my brothers and sisters. It's always a joy to connect with you on the Catholic Talk Show. Be sure to continue to follow our pages, our social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Keep it charitable out there as we continue to build the mystical union that Christ is establishing in his church. We can't do that without the scriptures because it is the revealed word of God that we worship. So we thank you for journeying with us here at the Catholic Talk Show, and we'll see you next week. Read your Bibles and read them often. (laughs) Read it! (laughs) 